Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our speaker today, we've known just for a little while. Bob and Pat Krauss came down from the north. I got to know him just a little bit yesterday. I hope to get to know him more, but my occupation was a teacher, which has probably affected, you know, further mental. <laughs> he taught in Michigan. I think it was different up there. But anyways, um, he's been, since retiring, Use of the Lord in ministering and teaching in God's Word. So we're happy to have him with our Bible instruction time teaching today. So we're going to turn the reign of our time over to you, Brother Paul. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, believe me when I say I'm truly blessed to be here today. We've enjoyed our time in fellowship with the saints of God here. Uh, Don told us what a wonderful meeting this was, and uh, he was correct. Uh, we really enjoyed it, and we trust that the Lord will I continue to bless your gathering together as saints of the Lord, and I must trust that the Lord will bless our ministry and his word today. Uh, the Bible reading, of course, uh, is what we're going to be speaking on today. I'm not going to go through and read Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18, but I want you to open your Bibles to that. You know, as uh, uh, Billy mentioned, I, I was a school teacher, so school teachers always used to say to their students, at least this one did, I expect you when you come to class, you have your textbook, you have paper and pencil to write notes on. Now, I don't know if you did all that, but I would encourage you because uh, my approach to teaching the Word of God is that. I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. I teach the Word of God. And I expect you to pay attention, to take notes, because you see, you're supposed to go home today and check out like the church at Berea that what this person said, was it true? See, many times we take the preacher for granted and say, oh, he must know it. He's up there speaking upon it. Well, never assume that. You know, the Word of God is very important. And it's very important that you go and make sure that what you're being taught week after week is truly from the Word of God. And it's interesting, I just found out last Sunday afternoon that I was scheduled to speak this week. But it was interesting because uh, as a result of Bill's message on woke last week, when I got in the car, I said to Pat, I know exactly what the Spirit of God has already laid on my heart to speak on. And of course, it's standing firm in spiritual warfare. So the message today is for believers believers. It's a wonderful time we had around the Lord's table this morning. As I've gotten to know many of you somewhat well, some I still I don't know very well at all. But overall, I know the vast majority of people in here know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I also don't assume that everybody does wherever I speak. And if you're without Christ in your life, You've got to have, uh, you're going to have a far different problem with my message today than those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this particular thing that Paul writes about as he closes up the book of Ephesians is standing firm in spiritual warfare. You know, woke, I'm not all that familiar with it, but I am enough to know that your governor doesn't approve of it. Unfortunately, in Michigan, ours does. It's a done deal. She ran on that idea that she supports that. 
in our my local high school school system, which I taught, where Don went, it's already enforced. And it's defended by the school board. Some of the fellow teachers of mine are now on the school board. One of them was my son's football coach. It is for this stuff. You know, we have to understand what's taking place in the world today is really not the the source involved with mankind. There's somebody else who is behind all of this. And that's the evil one. And you see, the Apostle Paul understood when he wrote to the church at Ephesus how vulnerable they were. Oh, they were going on for the Lord at that time. And you know, the more you're going on for the Lord, the more vulnerable you become to the attacks of the evil one. If you're not, if you're not a Christian here today, Satan isn't worried about you. He's already got you. He has, doesn't have to worry about you. But you should worry if you're without Christ. Because you see, if Satan is the one who is the master of your life, whether you like to admit it or not, I don't envy your future. But you see, for those of us who seek to live godly in Christ Jesus, we're a threat to the evil one. And he's going to do whatever he can to do what he can to get disrupt your spiritual life and make you ineffective for the Lord. Now, Paul, as I said, closes this particular, and it's an appeal. He's not just saying, this is nice, I appeal to you. I urge you to stand firm in spiritual warfare. Because, you know, the evil one is out there. And, you know, Paul closes this letter, and he's really concerned about the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, God's resources are to enable them to stand and withstand against the evil powers. Bill McDonald once wrote, Every true child of God soon learns that the Christian life is a warfare. The hosts of Satan are committed to hinder and obstruct the work of Christ. Now, if you are actively involved in the Lord's work, you're actively involved as we were this morning worshiping the Lord, you make a very, you have one enemy who literally hates what you're doing. And he will do anything that he can to try to break down what you have. You know, this lesson is on spiritual warfare, standing firm in spiritual warfare. The point, in fact, is the more effective a saint is for the Lord, the more they will experience the savage attacks of the enemy. And that's a good thing for all of us to evaluate for a moment. Have you had Satan trying to attack you in certain areas of your life, in times of weakness or whatever? I have. But you know, if you have the whole armor of God on, (laughs) there's nothing he can do to us. But you see, if you don't have the whole armor of God on, you are vulnerable where you have taken that piece of armor off. And what he just lays out here in this particular passage is several things. 
that we're going to focus on briefly. You know, we have no control over what he's going to do in this world. I don't know how it's going to go here in Florida with woke. I'm not optimistic. Because you see, it's a part of the, it's a part of the world. We know the direction this world is going further and further and further away from the things of the Lord. I'm 82 years old. I look back to what life was like when I was younger. When I went to Grand Haven High School, we had a Bible club. We had like 60 kids in it. Great time. Nobody gave us any hassle. You know, I went on to to school to Western. I found a marvelous place to fellowship with in the church, but also I was involved with Christian fellowship of Christian athletes because I was an athlete in college. There's several other Christian organizations. I had no problem finding Christian fellowship. There were 60 athletes alone that I knew who loved the Lord. And we would go places and, and witness to young people in schools and things when asked to do so. Well, how things have changed today. Back in my whole town, it's sad to think what's taking place. But you see, what we have to understand is Satan is at work in this wicked, sinful world. And you know, the thing that affects him the most are people who know and love the Lord and are living and walking with the Lord. We can't change what's taking place in the world, but we still can have an influence. But you see, if Satan gets a hold of us in any way or form, you know, verse 10 literally says, be continually strengthened in the Lord. The word there means be strong, make strong, to endure with strength. Strengthen who? Well, strengthen the Lord. In other words, close yourself in his strength. This type of strengthening can only take place in a believer's life who acknowledges the lordship of Christ in your life. Now, I know for everybody in this room who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is your Savior. But is he your Lord? Is he your Lord and Master in every aspect of your life? Well, we say Jesus Christ is Lord. But you see, if Jesus Christ is Lord, well, then he will be able to, he will control our lives. And he will protect our lives. Now, in verse 10, it says, be continually strengthened in the Lord. Oh, God, Sunday mornings, I'm really pretty good. I gather together the Lord's people. They encourage me. I trust I encourage others. And we just are really absorbed with the Lord. But then we leave here. And now we're bombarded with all the things that are going on in this wicked, sinful world. And that's why it says, be strong in the Lord. Clothe yourself in his strength. This type of strengthening can only take place when you acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. The phrase is in the power of his might. Not the power of your might. You know, when you come up against the devil, Satan, the evil one. And I often said, you know, we are told here to stand firm. We're never told to attack the devil or Satan. And, you know, I often use as an analogy, 
If I were to try to attack Satan in my own strength, I always use the analogy, do you know what a little wet noodle is like? You take a noodle, and you know, it's, it's flippy, you pinch it, it'll fall right in half. If you think you can attack Satan in yourself, even as a believer, you're nothing but a wet noodle. But you see, when you put on the whole armor of God, and that's what this lesson is all about, if you have the whole armor of God on you, Satan becomes the wet noodle because he cannot do anything to those who have the protection of the Lord in their life. So yes, I'm talking mainly to Christians today. And you're wonderful Christian people. I see that for the most, I know that from those I've got to know a little bit. But I want you to know you're not invincible. I've been preaching God's word for 60 years. I'm not invincible. You see, every day we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand and withstand the wiles of the evil one. We have the word power here. That's strength and operation. We have the word might. Now, this kind of might is residual, inherent strength. In other words, active, uh, fixed, assured faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's best soldiers are those who are cons- conscious of their own weaknesses, their own ineffectiveness, and who rely solely on him. Can you honestly say that you totally always rely upon the Lord? Well, that's my desire. But the bottom line is, you know, I've been saved for 71 years. I was saved when I was 11 years old. And you would think, well, boy, if you've been saved for 71 years old, you must have had a really great, righteous, holy life your whole 71 years. Not true. Not true. But by the grace of God... You know, I have grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust you have too. As I look back at my own life, I have to understand it's only by the grace of God that I am what I am today. It has nothing to do with me. And you are what you are by the grace of God. It has nothing to do with you. Other than you have surrendered your life. And I mean surrender. That means totally give up. You know, it's interesting as you think about this whole passage. It's Paul, of course, who's writing it. He's writing it while he's sitting in prison. He has a prison, a Roman guard with him, sitting right next to him. He looks out, all he sees are Roman soldiers walking around. Before he was in prison, even when he was a Jew who hated Jesus Christ, he was aware of the Roman army, probably the greatest army that has ever existed on the face of the earth. You say, well, the armies today could handle them. No, they couldn't, except we have all these explosive weapons. They didn't have those things. And what you have in this particular chapter are some simple little things that we are to do in order to protect ourselves from the wiles of the evil one as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to put on the whole armor of God. That word put on really should be rendered, you are to clothe yourself with the whole armor 
of God. You know, you got up this morning and you got dressed. Fortunately, we didn't all get half dressed. You have to put on the whole clothing. And it's the same thing here in spiritual warfare. If you're going to have any uh, help and strength in this area, you have to do what Paul is writing here, put on the whole armor of God. Not just the pieces you prefer to put on. You see, as long as all the armor of God is on you, Satan can't do anything to you. Oh, he'll try. But many times that he sees the whole armor of God, why bother? Because, you know, he understands. If you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, he really can't touch you. But if you are not clothed in all of the armor of God, then you have a vulnerable spot. And guess who will spot it immediately? It'll be Satan. And guess where he will attack you? At that most vulnerable spot. And you know, there's so many different things that come into our lives. Sometimes they're physical things. You know, the older, most of us who are getting older, we have all kinds of those physical things. You know, I've had some. I know some of you are dealing with things now. You have to be careful. Because when we're vulnerable, we may begin to question our faith. Oh, is the Lord really going to help me? Is he going to help me? Of course the Lord is going to help you. But you see, if you begin to doubt, you begin to have fears, anxieties, Satan is aware of that. You see, we are to clothe ourselves all the time in the whole armor of God. And the purpose is, is that we may be able to stand or withstand the wiles and the attacks of the evil one. Now, it's interesting as you read through this, in verse 12, he points out particularly the fact, um, this little word, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I thought, you know, when I first thought about that, I thought, well, the word wrestle, that, that's not a real tough type of uh, job. I know a little bit about wrestling. Now, we're not thinking about the junk they have on television, you know, that that's not really wrestling. But I, when I was in college, uh, I was a phys ed minor for, for a while, and I got out of that, but I had to take athletic courses, and the one was a wrestling class. So I go into this class, and now we have learned how to wrestle. About on the second day, I'm down there doing what I'm supposed to do, and all of a sudden the, the teacher comes up to me, and he literally kicks me with his foot right off the mat. I thought, oh, my, I'm a first-year freshman. And he says to me, you come down and pick up a uniform tonight. I thought, what? Well, who's going to say no to this guy who was weighing close to 300 pounds, scared to death as a freshman, and I'm already on a tennis scholarship. So I said, well, how am I going to get up? So I had to go down and see him. But I learned something about wrestling. I didn't, I didn't wrestle. I didn't have time for two sports and no interest in wrestling at all, to be honest with you. But you see, what did you say? Well, what did he see in this little skinny runt? I mean, I never was much bigger than this is me. All right? Well, you know, in wrestling matches, you know, if you watch any college wrestling or things like that, 
Very few people ever get pinned. Most of it is won by winning points. And of course, I was quick. Had to be. <laughs> built the way I was built. I could get loose. I could get around and get on the top of the other guy. I could never pin anybody. But you gain, you win by points. And I would be one of those who can win a lot of points because of my quickness and that type of thing, and my size. But I thought, you know, why did the Lord use wrestle here? Or why did Paul use wrestle? Well, it's interesting to note that the loser in a Greek wrestling contest had his eyes gouged out, resulting in blindness. You see, the church at Ephesus would understand the seriousness of what he's saying here. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, the evil one. And if you think that you can wrestle with this evil one, forget it. But you see, if you put on the whole armor of God, why do you do it? Because the one you're going to have trying to wrestle with you, he will win if you don't have that armor on as a believer. You know, the believer needs the operating power of God drawn from his almighty supply and clothed in the armor he supplies in order to win the victory. Now, in verses 13 through 18, and we have to move along, the pieces of armor of God are given to us. Now, again, in verses 11 and 13, the believers commanded to put on or clothe themselves in the armor of God, which provides and enables them to withstand the power of darkness. Now, I've already mentioned, but I'll mention it again. We're never told to attack the devil. But we are to arm ourselves against his attacks. And you see, all the pieces are, of armor are defensive except for one, and that's the word of God, which is a little bit of both, but is primarily an offensive weapon. Now, in verse 13, the emphasis here is on standing firm and not yielding to his attacks. He speaks of the evil day, which, of course, refers to any time that the enemy actively comes against us. Now, what are some of the strategies that Satan and the powers of darkness use? And I just listed a few things, and I guess these came to mind because these are things that I have to deal with. Temptation. Are you ever tempted to do things you're not supposed to do? Or think? Or whatever? Doctrinal error. There's nothing more dangerous amongst Christians than to argue over doctrine. I was asked a number of years ago, uh, but I'd come and be a part of a panel that would discuss various, some aspect of Christianity. Along with Jim McKendrick and a few other people that I knew, we were asked, would you be willing to come and debate on this issue? And all of us says, no. We're not here to debate the scriptures. We're here to obey the scriptures. Nothing good comes out of debating the scriptures. You know, we have to understand God's word is God's word. The spirit of God is within us as a child of God. The spirit of God reveals the will of God through the word of God. You see, I'm supposed to 
make sure that I'm spending time in the Lord's presence, in his word. And if I'm doing those things, I have some armor on. It's not something I put on. It's the armor that the Lord has given us. You know, thus we must put on the whole armor of God at all times. Always remember, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And you may say, well, you know, I look around, Bob, and it's a mess in this world. Of course it is. Who's the prince in the power of the air? By, by the, God's permission. Satan is. You know, I'm thankful that your governor is against both, but I can't guarantee that's going to do any good. Because it's in, we're in the world here. You know, we can't fight the world. <laughs> Satan, the world is Satan's domain. Because the Lord has given him permission to do that to a point. He still is overall. You know, ultimately, the Lord's will is going to be done in all things. We know the verses quoted often. As it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. Well, what was wrong in Noah's day? It was so wicked, the Lord had to destroy it. I don't know about you, but I keep thinking, you know, I really can't believe it was much worse back then than it is today in this world. You know, we get absorbed with the United States, but I, I like to watch uh, uh, England's copy, uh, X of the news because they cover all things all over the world. And you begin to see, oh, it just isn't in America that we're yielding to the evil one. It's all over the world. Every place. What a sad scenario. But you know, if you're in Christ, <laughs> the victory is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate victory. But I have to have victory in my spiritual walk down here each and every day. And in order to do that, what we're being told here by the Apostle Paul is, you put on this armor, the armor of God. Well, let's directly look at a few of the pieces of it. The first one is in verse 14, which is the girdle of truth. <laughs> the girdle of truth. Now, most of us, uh, because of our age, we know what a girdle is. I mean, I can remember my mother saying, my grandmother saying to my mother, Ruth, uh, would you come in here and tighten my girdle? A little later on, my mother would say, Mom, can you come here and tighten my girdle? Of course, Dave and I knew what they were. It's my brother, as we used to help my grandmother with the laundry. It was a ringer, and we would have to pull it out. So I knew what a girdle was. But obviously, we don't knew that. But, you know, the thing of the, the girdle here, he said, put it in the girdle of truth. Well, the girdle of truth is about the loins. Now, I'm not a, a medical student, but it, it's really between the false rib and the, and the hip bone. And if you, if you, you know, go over here and push in on this, how, how soft it is. You know, you got the ribs here, and all of a sudden it's like mush. And that goes all the way back down to the backbone and the hips. But you see, this area here is so vulnerable. It's just soft, nothing. Well, 
if a Roman soldier didn't have this girdle on, one thrust in that area and a snap with a sword, he's done. Well, it's the same with a Christian. You've got to put on the girdle, of, and what is it called? The girdle of truth. And what is the truth? It's God's word. You are to live in obedience to God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oh, have that girdle of truth on. That's the first thing he talks about. And of course, God's truth is to govern our conduct and our affections. In John, in John 17, 17, Jesus, in prayer, he says, I love this high priestly prayer of the Lord in John 17, but he says to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. You see, it's the girdle of truth. God's word must not just be read. It must be studied. But most importantly, it must be applied in your life. If you're not spending time in God's word, you're in trouble. You become vulnerable. Don't let that happen. The next one is the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, this covers the heart. Okay, that makes sense. You know, it is the breastplate which is righteousness or consists of righteousness. The righteousness here is not justifying righteousness. You know, I know that the day I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, I was declared righteous. I've been justified. That is my standing before God. You see, that can't change. Satan can't touch that. But you know, we're not talking here about justifying righteousness. We're talking here about sanctifying righteousness. Living godly as one who's been justified. If I've been declared righteous, that's how I'm supposed to live, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you. If you don't put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is God's truth, I'll tell you, you're in trouble. Satan will know the moment. When that piece of armor is down. You know, this aspect of the breastplate of righteousness, you know, it involves a consistent walk with our position in Christ the saints. Be ye holy, we're told. Why? Because the Lord your God is holy. And he sees you in Christ as holy. <laughs> Think about that. We all know how unholy we really are. Even as believers, it's amazing how many times we disappoint the Lord. Now, if you're one of those special, I apologize, but I don't think there's anyone here like that. You see, Paul understood. You know, he's viewing, he's looking at the armor these Roman soldiers had on. They needed that breastplate to protect this area, the heart. Because if it wasn't protected, oh, one serious blow there, and they're done. And we have to do the same thing. We have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
Now, you know, practical righteousness is in the realization and enjoyment of our relationship to God and fellowship with the Father and His dear Son. That's 1 John 1, 3. We are to live in constant fellowship with our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. We're well equipped. When we, the Lord equips his saints, he equips them well. But you still have to clothe yourself every day in these pieces of armor. Then there's the, the breastplate of righteousness we mentioned about. Let's move on to the next one here. Verse 15, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is an interesting phrase, feet shod. Having your feet shod is the responsibility of the soldier of Christ to be properly protected and equipped to do what? To stand firm. To stand firm. We've already said you're not supposed to attack the devil. (laughs) Don't even try. You have to prepare for his attacks. And what we have to be able to do is stand firm when they come. You know, Paul also alludes to this as a boxer in another passage of Scripture. He says there, stand ready to receive the blow. It's coming. Stand firm. And as you think about standing firm, you know, it's interesting when you think about the what the Roman soldier wore, and I came across this as I was doing my study, and it says the Roman soldier wore sandals, which were bound by thongs around the instep and around the ankle. I thought, well, that sounds exactly like sandals today. But here's the difference. The soles were thickly studded nails. Think about that. On their feet, the soles had thickly studded nails. And what was the purpose of that? It was so they could stand firm when attacked. We already mentioned, you're not to attack Satan. You have to be ready for his attacks. And one is having your feet shot. And of course, and then in verse 16, above all, the shield of faith. Now, I have to make sure I do a good job on this, because the last time I spoke on this, my dear wife informed me I didn't do a good enough job on this particular one. So I want to make sure I do a good job on it today. But, you know, the shield of faith. You know, faith is confidence, trust, reliance upon God, his promises, and his word. And it is to cover our head and our body with a giant shield. Now, the shield in the Roman time was a wooden shield carved inwardly, four foot by two and a half foot, which they could take and hold against their body. Now, this, of course, was to take place when the enemy was starting to shoot from the, the castles, and the Roman soldiers are down here, the arrows, which had fire in them, on the end of them. Well, when those things came, they could take this shield, pull it up, kneel down, and it would cover their head and their body. And it would also quench the fiery darts, or arrows, that were coming at them. See, we don't know which way Satan is going to attack, or Sir how. But if you have the shield of faith, faith in who? Oh, not your strength. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his power, his might. If that shield of faith is there, 
You're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Oh, you're in good shape. You've got to have that shield. Well, my time is running out, which it always does. And then we we'll have to move on quickly here to the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. We mentioned now the, uh, the, this, I want to mention the sword of the spirit. And this is the word of God. And you know, this word of God is a marvelous thing. <laughs> it is. If you could look through this old Bible of mine, I got it from my wife and my boys 40 some years ago. Still have it. I've been using it ever since. I go, I don't go anywhere. I don't spend a day without spending time here. Have to. You see, this is the sword of the spirit. What do you do with a sword? Well, when Satan comes along, you can just smack him across the head. He can't touch you. You're firm. You got all this armor on and that, which is all defensive weapon. And now we pull out the offensive weapon. Well, Satan, you say I can do this. God's word says, no, I don't do that. You see, this is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. How much time do you spend in this? Don't tell me out loud. Some of you might be embarrassed. There was a day I used to be embarrassed because I wasn't in it as much as I should have been. But you know, a day doesn't go, I'm in the Word of God. I dare not be. Plus, I love it. (laughs) It encourages me. It challenges me. It keeps me close to the Lord. His Word is wonderful. It's powerful. You see, you need all these pieces of armor. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, the sword of the Spirit is because the Spirit of, of God gives it, He inspires it, and the Spirit aids is needed to properly appropriate it. The more time you spend in the Word, the more the Spirit of God can convince you and teach you the Word and make it a part of your life. Well, my time's probably more than gone, but that's not unusual. Uh, so we're going to have to wrap this up. And I just want to mention verse 18. I know people argue whether this is one of the uh, <clears throat> weapons. Uh, I'm not sure it is. Some feel it is. Some feel it isn't. But I know one thing is very important. I like to look at the word of the aspect of prayer is the atmosphere in which the Christian soldier must live and breathe. How much time do you spend in prayer? I hope more than most people do. Prayer is so important. How can you start the day without spending time in God's Word and then just communing with God? But you know, communing with God in prayer isn't just you talking to God. It's allowing Him to talk to you. And I don't know about you, but I'm really kind of guilty on this one. I don't like to admit that. When I am in my prayer time, I do all the talking. Do you ever find yourself that way? I don't give him much time to talk back. But he will, and he wants to. And there are times I do do that, and it's amazing how the Lord speaks to me through 
the Spirit of God within me and His Word that strengthens me and encourages me and helps me to get over this hump that I'm dealing with. You know, I don't think we should sit and argue about whether the prayer is one of the pieces of armor or not. (laughs) The point is prayer is important. as It's the atmosphere in which we should live and breathe in our walk with the Lord. Oh, may each of us stand firm in our spiritual conflict by being continually strengthened by his power and his might as we clothe ourselves in the armor God provides. If we do, we shall have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless these few thoughts. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you again for the great God and Savior that you are. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the passage that we've been able to look at today. We know the message here is feeble and weak, but your word and the spirit of God is powerful. And just help us, the Lord, to apply these truths in our own lives. We're so thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ here. And as we live in this wicked, sinful world, how we truly need to clothe ourselves with the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand and withstand the wiles of the evil one. If there's anyone here without Christ today, we pray that they may come to know you, realize their need of you, that they too may enjoy all that we have in our blessed Lord and Savior. We ask these things and give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.